Do you want to hear the greatest story? Yeah, I do. Oh my god, Bon Jovi sound checking. We got to see this. But then we hear um, the guy whistling to a microphone. Yeah, it was John, and he goes, "The kids can stay." We're like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> nice. Thanks, thanks, Johnny. It was a small theatre, and we went upstairs, and there was a photo of Dire Straits, who did their very first rock blast there in 1982, oh, wow. which was just so cool. So these bikies got in touch with us, give us 500 bucks so you don't get your singer back. <laughs> Holy shit. Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers, and just like tonight, sometimes wrestlers, I am your host, the Sizz Dog. Thanks for joining me. Oh man, what a crazy week. What a crazy week, Sizzlers. I've had a, uh, I've had a busy one. Let's see, last Friday... Night, no, last Saturday, I uh, played uh, the gig that I've been uh, promoting the last few weeks on the show. Uh, it was down in uh, Chatty, and I was all geared up, man. I was all geared up to go down there. Um, I'd organised a little window of time that I could pick up my jeans that had gotten repaired from the nudie store at the Chadston, and then I was going to, you know, go for a little figure hunt, you know, maybe hit up the gym, and then go and do the gig. And uh, didn't really go to plan, man. I got hay fever. Something shocking last week. I think I actually talked about it in the um, in the intro, but it was still it was still affecting me pretty bad, you know, on Saturday. So yeah, I should bloody turn my phone on silent. I'm getting messages. It's not it's not unheard of. Sometimes sis dog gets the old message here and there. Um, and so anyway, I try to get myself down to chatty. Um, uh, remarkably, the toy store that I wanted to get to, I had just got there at like five to six and they closed at six o'clock. Luckily, they were so nice. They actually stayed open for me for about another 10 minutes. It was like I was on an episode of those shopper, you know, remember those shopper game shows back in the nineties where you had like 10 minutes or however long to, you know, go on a shopping spree. That's what I felt like. I was like, okay, I grabbed this bit. Now I went to the action aisle, grabbed some more stuff. I spent about a hundred and something bucks on figures, but you know, not all for me. I've got some for the kids as well for Christmas. So, you know, go easy. All right. But I did pick up some rad. I've had a, picked up a couple of retros, a couple of elites, a couple of sound slammers for the, for the kids, man. But the gig went all right. eh? it was all right. Um, it's not fun gigging when you're sick, but, Show must go on, man. You know, show must go on. Just like old mate who I interviewed this week, JXT. I'm sure he has wrestled hurt and wrestled sick as well. Um, man, I've seen JXT wrestle many times for different promotions over the past couple of years. Uh, and it was great to sit down with him and have a good chat. Uh, JXT talks about his upbringing and his introduction to wrestling and which family member he gives credit to for introducing him to the world of professional wrestling. But you'll have to keep listening to find out who that is. Art of Touring is brought to you every single week on a Friday. You can listen to The Art of Touring on iTunes or on the Google Podcasts app or on Spotify. And remember, Art of Touring is part of the A Lot of Green Podcast Network. You can check out all their other awesome podcasts on their network at www.alotofgreen.com.au. Guys, tell friends about this podcast. Tell enemies about your po- this podcast. Um, tell passing acquaintances about this podcast. You know when you go to like Safeway and uh, or you know maybe like a supermarket or whatever, 
and the clerk can be like, how's your day going? And you're meant to just respond with, yeah, not bad, thanks. Don't respond with just the generic, yeah, not bad. Respond with, actually, my day's fantastic because I've been listening to the Art of Touring podcast with a sis dog. Ow, ow, ow. And they'll be all like, what is the Art of Touring podcast? With a sis dog. Ow, ow, ow. And you can be all like, it's the best podcast in the world, man. Wrestling guests, musos talking about life on the road, baby. Doesn't get any better than that. Hey, now listen, there is some coarse language in this week's podcast. So if you are listening with kids, uh, it might be a good idea to throw on WWE. That's a family-friendly product. And uh, once you've dropped them off at their uh, Taekwondo lessons, put Art of Touring back on. Now let's hear from this week's sponsor. Episode 80 of the Art of Touring is brought to you this week by Outback Steakhouse Extreme, the most extreme version of Outback Steakhouse ever. Hey, are you a big fat bastard who loves eating at Outback Steakhouse but thinks the portions are too small? Well, good news, fat ass, because now there's the Outback Steakhouse Extreme. We don't have a bloomin' onion, we have a bloomin' pumpkin! You know what else we got? Elephant steaks! 50-pound elephant steaks! And why don't you wash it down with 40 ounces of malt liquor and ranch dressing, you fat <laughs> Outback Steakhouse Extreme! Punish your toilet! Oh man, I bet that's where Crocodile Dundee eats every night. Everything in Australia is so fancy. Just so you know, Art of Turing is hosted by Wooshka. Uh, if you would like to listen to, on your desktop to the Art of Turing, you can just Google Art of Turing and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Uh, now let's sit back and breathe it in. That's right, it's Sis Dog and JXT shooting the shit for over an hour. Strap in and let's get loose. It's time for the Art of Turing to begin. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Art of Turing podcast. I'm sitting here in 100 Strong Personal Training uh, Gym in Melton, and sitting across from me is professional wrestler JXT. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've had a bit of um, hay fever the last couple of days. I'm with you, yeah. It's a change of season. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm away here. Um, it said 45 minutes to, to good old Melton Town. Here we are, yeah. From Epping, and I'm like, oh. Best town in the, in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I love like, it. You know, you have like, it's your hometown, so you love yeah. it, but it's so crap in some ways, but then other ways it's so good, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I, I worked here for three years, so I hadn't- okay. Jake um, was just telling me this. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. That's how I know Jake. Yeah. Yeah, he was my student. And um, yeah, I was driving my way here. I'm like- I could be super early or I could stop off at um, Water Gardens and go on a figure hunt. So what, what <laughs> I've, I've done so many disappointing figure hunts at Water Gardens. It's really? not funny. Yeah, yeah my, my figure hunt ended pretty disappointingly as well. It's uh, The wrestling figures in Australia was in such a bad point. I think when Mattel took over, yeah. there was like nothing. Yeah. There was like nothing for like a good... And that just killed me. I wasn't into the Mattel figures originally and then with yeah. them not being available, it was like done. Yeah, I think I remember seeing like a... Um, a Mick Foley, like a Mankind SummerSlam elite. That figure was everywhere. That over, it was, yeah. wasn't it? It's and I was such like, a, oh my God, look at this. 
It's so hard. I think I was telling you earlier, like I went into Mattel and had a meeting with them and that yeah. James was telling me like the way they do the distribution and stuff. And it's so hard, like the Mattel team tries so hard to get so many figures available for us and it's not the Mattel's fault. It's the stores buying them. We need the demand for the pe- for the stores to be able to buy them and purchase. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah, because we're such a, even like, I think we, we get wrapped up in, I think sport doesn't help because we're so good at sport for a small nation, but we are so small in population. It's not funny. Yeah. That's it. sad in a way. Yeah. Frustrating. It probably explains why my local big W has had the same Chad Gable and Sasha Banks on the shelves for almost a year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just mountains of them. You could build an army of because them. Because when they have to order, they have to order X amount, but to make yeah. it work, like there's only X amount of kids and adults, whatever, buying that figure. Yeah. They only need to buy it once or twice if you're lucky. That's it. Yeah. Whereas when I was in the States at Walmart, man, they were every two weeks, they're churning them over. Yeah, to completely, well, I mean, that's and the, the target And uh, the section, the section for figures, like wrestling figures is like three times the size. We have like two pegs here. They've, they've got like got a, a whole, whole blocked out section. Yeah. yeah. And it's always like hidden, like, you know, in amongst like Dragon Ball Z and Jurassic And that's because Park. it sells so well. They don't want people to buy wrestling views <laughs> to walk past all the other toys. So they get, because yeah, yeah. always at the end of the aisle, you know. That's it. But that's marketing. I will rewind a little bit. Um, I know we mentioned before that you're from Melton, but um, did you grow up? I mean, yeah, you were born, born and bred. bred in Melton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you come from a big family or a uh, little family? A family of four. I've got a brother. A brother as well? Yeah. My father's yeah. from Cyprus. He's Turkish. Big Gers. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it causes, it causes its uh, riffraff as it is. And mum's, yeah, mum's blonde-haired, blue-eyed Aussie, and John Farnham's her second cousin. Is that, is that shoot True, or is that a, a shoot. word? That's a shoot. That's a shoot. My great-grandma and John Farnham's mum are sisters. So, whenever it comes on at function, me, me and my mates, cousin Johnny, cousin Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. There you go. And um, how did wrestling first enter your life? Was it um, something that uh, your, your folks got you into or you kind of found it yourself? Um, so as a four-year-old, being the oldest, I'm the oldest brother by two years, two and yeah. a half, you sort of look up to like, not necessarily father figures, but I looked up to like a few of my older cousins mm. and because um, my parents are both, well, dad's the second youngest, mum's the youngest. So I looked up to my older cousins and my older cousin would have been, I was four, he was probably 10 or 11. Sure, yeah. And he's... um. You go over to his house. Oh, Daryl, what are you doing? You know, he's like, I'm playing WWF Warzone. It's like, I'll be Untaker, you can be Kane, Tornado Tag, they're brothers. And I'm like, oh, okay, and then I was hooked. Bang. From the video From game. the game. I didn't know it was a TV show and stuff. And like, I'd every weekend I'd ask mum, can we go to Daryl's? Can we go to Daryl's? Because I wanted to play Warzone with him. Wow. And then later that year for my birthday, I'm at end of November. So I had a birthday party. Yeah. Like big, you know, big birthday party. And like three kids brought me wrestling figures. Mm. Got a Smash and Slam Series 1 Kevin Nash, normal variant. I got the, um, I think, Superstar Series 4 X-Pac in the BCA Bone Cruncher with the red. Sure. And I got, um, is it Ring Fighters, Booker T? They had the four pieces of the ring. Okay. There's a Booker T in the black pants. There's a white pants. I got the black pants variant. Far got out. Got those three figures. And then with the birthday money from that birthday, the next yeah. day I went to the toy shop and I brought the Bret Hart from the Ring Fighters as well. Then I was on. And then it was all on. Yeah. Well, mum and dad tried to stifle it. At first, they were like, oh, that's cool. He likes it. And then they were like, all right, it's a bit violent. They tried to, uh, yeah, and we yeah, didn't yeah. have Foxtel because, as you know, being a wrestling fan in Australia in yeah. 99, this is I'm talking. Sure. It's hard to watch wrestling. So it was blockbuster, video easy, renting videos. Yes. So I'd go from, this is why I have this weird, like um, people say, who are your favorites as a kid? I had this weird timeline because I'd go from watching Royal Rumble 94 to Halloween Havoc 98. And I'd be like, well, Kevin Nash's Diesel, Scott Hall. And they're like, wow, I'm like the same people on the shows, like Lex Luger, you know, all these guys. Yeah. And, but, and Bret Hart, you know, they're all on both shows. But it's like, what, I couldn't, as a kid, you don't know what year it is. Sure. And as 99, when you're four, you're not reading the year on the back of the VHS 
for box. So no, I had no idea what was going on. I'm just watching. I like him. I like him. I like him. And then yeah, yeah, right. So heels and faces, and even I didn't have Fox until 2005. So I never watched weekly wrestling till I was like 14. Yeah, right. So I had no concept of storylines or like. I understood when they'd play like the promo package leading in. Yes. But like as a kid, it was just like, here's two wrestlers going at it. He has a cool entrance. He looks cool. His moves are cool. And that was it. Like, yeah. Yeah, right. So I had this real different upbringing in a way. And so your cousin's still into the wrestling? He comes to a lot of every show that's within, you know, driving distance of him. He comes. He comes support. He'll probably yeah. be Saturday at Showdown. He lives in Werribee. Yeah, perfect. He comes all the time. He's great. Him and his dad, Dave. So I used to go and I always want to sleep over on the weekends because Saturday night, WCW yeah. was on at midnight, right? Right. So as a five-year-old, I'm fighting to stay up because I want to watch Nitro, you know. And um, sometimes they'd record it for me and give me a video when I'd go around. Do they know the impact that they had on your life, knowing that you've become a professional wrestler as your, your yeah. as your calling? Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't let them forget it. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> yeah. like, I make sure they know. Like you guys are the reason this happened. Yeah. You know? And um, they, they, and that even more. That's even more. I think even more reason they support me. Come and see. And you. come so much. Yeah, because not just them too. Like my my auntie will come and, she, and my other cousin will come. She bring all her kids. You know. And I, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That yeah. That not only do they start this, but they're still here supporting it, which is great. That's a cool thing, man. See, mm. like as as a muso, um, my mum growing up was a guitar teacher. Ooh. And so I have would all the students would come into the house, you know, and she'd and I thought it was daggy. Like as a kid, I'm like, what's this guitar nonsense? Like I didn't well, want to. Well, you don't do want other it. people in your house and stuff too. As a well, kid, you well, get jealous yeah. and stuff. That's maybe what it was a yeah. little bit, yeah. And so it wasn't until my brother, older brother Paul, started playing bass in high school and started joining like rock bands in high school, and he's like five years older than me. Okay, then you seen the cool side, and then I was like, oh, music's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I totally blame him for um for me becoming a, a muso. But so. even still, I know what you mean. Like my mum used to smash ABBA, and I was like, uh, but now I'm like, ABBA. and I know it's funny because even like as a five year old, you remember all the lyrics, and they yeah. come back like, thanks to mum, I love like Madonna, Shawn Twain, ABBA. Like right, all right. Of, yeah, all of them love it. And thank, yeah, thanks to mum because she'd play that stuff around in the car. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You, you, your upbringing has such an impact on you, even when you don't realise, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you're, um, you know, when you're a kid and you, you get like, like you were saying before, uh, you know, action figures uh, for your birthday and Christmas and stuff. Mm. As an adult, you're like, oh, man, now there's eBay? <laughs> it's dangerous, man. And I can <laughs> buy that in its box? It's not, <laughs> but it's not the same, is it? Like, no. I always tell like my friends, they're like, why do we need to go? Like, we'll be, I'll be at the shops with my friends or even girlfriends I've had. And they're like, why do we need to check for figures? You can buy them online. I'm like, it's not the same. Figure hunting in the wild is a whole different thing. It is a whole different yeah, thing. The, yeah. You don't get it because like in the Jacks days, there were so many figures. And I just remember being a kid, like going down the aisle and you don't know what you're going to see. Whereas now, yeah. you know, internet, you know what figures are coming out. You know, roughly when they'll hit Australia and stuff. So you have a rough idea of yeah. what you can get. Whereas back then you go, you can go there and go, whoa, I didn't even know this was a thing. And look at this figure. And yeah. 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 Well, even today, like I was saying, we were, I went to Water Gardens. I knew there was a Target and there was a big W, but I didn't know there was a Toy World. And that's the one that always has the figures. Right. So yeah. I hit up both. I hit up the big W and the Toy World, the uh, big W and the, and the Target. And I was just about to leave them like, I might just walk down there just in case there's like a zing or some shit. Yeah. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see the, the Toy World logo. It's like, oh, <laughs> the color. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that for me. I remember my mates hated it. So High Point, which is obviously the biggest shopping center in the West Suburbs, used to have, it's obviously shut down now, the Toys R Us. And yeah. I would make my friends go to that Toys R Us. Because as Melton kids, we live about 
half an hour from there, but we don't mm. have we didn't have a big shopping center until like the last three years. Sure. So as kids, we'd get the bus up and stuff, and even like at school, they'd the last week of school they'd have a high point excursion where the kids can just go to high point. Oh, really? And I've made my friends walk those aisles of Toys R Us that many times. <laughs> it wasn't fun. And then towards the end, I ended up. Not from going there all the time. Coincidentally, I started dating a girl that worked at that Toys R Us. Oh, and then it, tra- it. it translated from, we're going here for toys for, you just want to go to see her, see if she's there. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but nah, yeah, that's shut down. Now. Did she give you a discount? Uh, nah, because she worked in the baby section or something like that. Oh, yeah. and it wouldn't cross over. Well, I don't know if it did, but I, just, I don't know. I just never brought figures when she was there. Yeah, coincidentally, yeah. Coincidentally, yeah. There you go. That's pretty ironic, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you're growing up in Melton, um, you're playing the video game, you're buying uh, the wrestling figures where, yep. when you can. And I was like religious, like I had every one. So I went Warzone because I had PlayStation. I was in Warzone, Attitude, Smackdown 1, Smackdown 2, no, you roll. 3, just bring it, shut your mouth for like in order. Yes. And I remember I prided myself on, even I had WrestleMania, the arcade game. From WWF, I had every single, they're all burnt copies, of course. We sure. We went well off, but yeah. I had every single WWF video game up to date except for in your house i never got my hands on right so as a kid i was like religious yeah just full just had to yeah. have them which all. is why the parents sort of tried to stifle it and yeah you know, i remember i watched beyond the mat and when mick foley's got that gash in his head and it's huge daddy has a boo-boo my dad's like see josh they're planting the blood capsules in his head but they're sewing him up. But Dad's just trying to protect me because he's on the five-year-old watching this. Yeah. Oh, man, that's young to be watching yeah, Beyond the Mat. Yeah, exactly. You don't realize at the time you're watching that Jake the Snake scene. And as a kid, I'm just like, yep, yep, he's, yep, okay. <laughs> no way. Hey, yeah. no way. <laughs> and that's why I think, and I remember, I remember vividly watching, remember the they have the bikini contest and Sable takes her shirt off and she's got paint on her breasts? Yes. I remember watching that and my dad being like, what is, why is my son watching this? Yeah, that is that was a Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. even on the back of the video cover, I remember that was on there, but blurred like censored sure sure and like as a kid you don't even like i remember i used to even i used to fast forward the divas matches because yeah. i didn't want my parents to see it in case i got in trouble because i just wanted to watch the wrestling yeah, yeah six-year-old yeah. you're not thinking like that and attitude era too the divas matches were full on yeah and i remember the game boy advance the game Boy color wrestlemania 2000 game had jeff jarrett and it would say don't instead of say don't piss me off it would say don't triangle square x circle and i was like see mum and dad it blurs out the swear words because i was like i knew it was bad for me but i just wanted to watch wrestling so bad yeah. so i try and yeah, there was always a constant battle between you. That's wild, man. Mm. See, I've uh, my wrestling like fandom uh, started in the Attitude Era. So, what year are we talking? So, like ninety seven, ninety eight. Yep, that was you know when it was peak. just peak. Yeah, how old are you? Ninety seven, and I'm seventeen, per- mate. I'm you like, lived the dream, man. I lived the I exact people, demographic. That, yeah, man. I'm like, mate, you were seventeen at that era. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, I just just loved everything about it, um, and and then circa like two thousand two, two thousand three. I think um, Mick Foley was having a program with um, Randy Orton. Yeah, and Randy was just kept beating him all the time. He like spat in his face and all he that. He spat in yeah. his face and all that. Yeah, he did the big low yogi yuck. Yeah, it was bad. And like as a as a young adult, I was looking at my hero just getting like, but now as a you know, an older gentleman and an older wrestling fan, mm. I see what Randy and what Mick were doing. Like Mick was p- passing the torch yeah. to a younger wrestler. Especially the legend killer, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Like putting him over. Yeah. But I didn't see that. I just yeah. saw this product just shitting on my favorite dude and then him leaving. Well, yeah. And you, did that Did that turn you off wrestling? Yes. Okay. So, it's, you know, thousands of people have mentioned about how when Austin turned on The Rock at Mania, I mean, turn, sided with Vince McMahon and turned heel, that's the last time they ever watched wrestling. Right. I remember if you listen to the Attitude Era podcast, 
There's no. a bunch of guys. One's, I think one's Irish, the other two boys are English yeah. in the UK. It's just, they're just fans and they're very educated fans and they break mm. it down and they're very funny with the way they break it down, but they're also very serious about it in a way. Yeah. And yeah, they were saying that they're many of their friends and a lot of people they know and online, they looked it up that because they were like Austin side of Vince McMahon. This is shat in the face of everything I love and believe in. I'm so passionate about. I'm never watching wrestling again. Wow. It was that good a heel turn that turned people off wrestling. Yeah. That was, that was pretty big. Mm. Whereas you look at Hogan turning here with NWO, people were already booing Hogan. Yes. So they were like, yeah, we've wanted to hate you anyway. Screw you. Whereas with Austin, no one wanted to hate him ever. No, yeah. He was the biggest baby face Which on the I planet. I think is a big reason why they never t- done it with Cena. Because they, Austin even says, he goes, if I could have him one moment back in my career, it would be, I would not I would have stunned Vince right there. Huh. This is my, I say I'm not a big mark student of the game. <laughs> but I'm confused. So like if Cena went heel, then that would make it, because everyone, because half of the audience is always booing him anyway. Yeah, well, I guess you're right. But then I think WWE was like, oh, look at what happened with Austin. We don't want to have him in Cena. Plus, we've got oh. all these. Plus, by that point, there's a whole different company. They've got so many programs with kids and Make-A-Wish. And, That's true, yeah. You he know, was a Make-A-Wish like. Yeah, and although Hogan was too. Yeah. But Hogan was at the point where he wasn't drawing money. Yeah, So yeah. And then he did the turn and he became the biggest thing again ever. But, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I was, um, it's funny because I get, I get in trouble a lot. As a rest of myself for breaking rules, and I look yeah. at you. Look, at, I was. It's no like when you think what is when you ask the question, who were the greatest wrestlers of all time? The the job of wrestling is to draw money, right? So people argue Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, their greatest in ring performers, cool drawing money. It's uh, Austin, Hogan, Cena, Rock. Yeah, definitely. Four. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they all broke the rules. Yeah, you know right. Hogan turned his back on the AWA in the territory days and sided with Vince to do this stuff that they wouldn't weren't meant to do. Yeah. Then he went heel yeah. a second time and he did things that heels shouldn't have done. He was a cool heel. Austin was the same. He was rest. He was he acted like a heel, but was the ultimate babyface, anti-authority. Rock would go out and bury his opponents on promos. Yeah, and like normally it's like talk your opponent up in a promo, make them like a big star. Rock would just talk them down like they were nobody. Oh. And then Cena, Cena was the same when he was rapping and stuff and same. Just you know, and they all. And Cena, again, like you said, when he was ready to turn heel, he went the opposite way mm. and created this like paradigm shift of I'm a heel or a face depending on how many adults or kids are in the audience. Like, they all broke the rules. So it's like... That's... Yeah, that's it, mm. man. Yeah. Um, and so then you're you're basically just... just You are just eating everything up wrestling. Uh, everything. Everything I could. The games, wrestling figures. Yeah. Um, obviously, I couldn't watch regularly. So every week, it was every week I was at the video shop. Yeah. And to the point where I'd 100% seen everything except for Divas Undressed because mm-hmm. like, I wasn't going to rent that. Yeah, sure, but, sure. But um, yeah, just constantly rent, re-renting, re-renting. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, everything, buying everything I could. Shirts, yeah. As I remember, when I was real young, that was cool. And then once my parents seen it was becoming a bit of a problem, they tried to sort of stifle it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so at what point did you say to yourself, you know what, I actually want to try and do this? The second I seen it. Because as a kid, you just don't, you don't think like, oh, when I, I'm going to be a wrestler. Because as a kid, people ask you that too. Yeah. So when you're four and you fall in love with this thing, you know, at first I was like, wow, imagine being backstage and you bump into Kane or The Undertaker. That's too scary. I don't want to be a wrestler. But then people <laughs> yeah. would ask, them, what do you want to do when you're older? I'm going to be a wrestler. So that was always your vernacular? Always. Like- Every every time someone asked you, my from, whole life, wow. So career counselors, teachers in school, I got told I was an idiot. I'm stupid. I need a real job. You need to think of something serious. You know. And then I remember I was in high school. I was like 16, and a teacher. She was a substitute teacher. Where did you go to high school? Melton Secondary. Melton Secondary. School captain. 
School captain. Yeah. Stop it. Public speaking. And um, teacher, she was a substitute teacher. So instead of like, she didn't have anything to do. Yeah. So she made us all like write down goals and stuff and what our career paths would be, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm a professional wrestler. She's like, ah, she laughed at me. Yeah. I was like, I'm serious. She's like, no, you're not. I'm like, I'm serious. She's like, good, but you're never going to make it. I'm like, really? And then the next year, I was the only- substitute said that. Yeah. And the next year I was 17 and I started wrestling. Yes. And I'd had matches and stuff by the end of that year. And I was had the first mountain show coming up. And I was putting the posters all around the school and I went up to that same teacher. So I remember when you laughed at me and you said I was going to going to be a wrestler. She's like, yeah. I'm like, well, here, here's my poster. Here's my next show. And she's like, oh, well, that's good for you. I'm like. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm. There's a teacher in primary school. I still owe one. I'll be able to find her. Yeah, right, but, right. Uh, yeah, she was the same. I used to bring, because I used to bring my wrestling figures in. Yeah. She's like, they're dolls. I'm like, they're wrestling figures. They're like, they're dolls. They're stupid and they're dolls. I'm like, I'm only a wrestler. She's like, no, you're not. I'm like, all right. Wow! I know her name. I've got it. Yeah, I know how. To, I know I've got friends that work at that school now too. So, see that that when I hear stories Feels like you even that, more. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. When I hear stories like that, it, it just blows my mind because, like, as an educator, you are meant to encourage. Yes, but I think that's a more modern thing because I think back then they were trying to keep people on track. Yeah, right. Especially when they come up with something ridiculous. And remember, wrestling's frowned upon. If you yeah. say, I'm going to play AFL, that's good. I hope you do. Yeah, Because right. it's almost like a realistic thing in a way. Yeah. Whereas if you say, I'm going to join the circus, they're like, ah, cool. No, you're not. Don't do that. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, whenever I, you know, because I, I teach all the way through to year 12. And whenever I hear, um, or whenever I ask a student, what are you going to do next year? Mm-hmm. Are you going to study your work? What are you going to do? It's always like a mixed bag. I'm like, oh, I'm, I think I'm going to work with my dad. Or I think I'm going to. It's never like defining like I want to do this. Yeah, and also having steps to do this. Like I had it all planned out. Yeah, right. I knew about George Julio's wrestling school in Sunshine when I was thirteen. I messaged Crackerjack on MySpace. MySpace. And he got back to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I've told him about this. Yeah, and he got back to me and told me all about George's school. You have to be eighteen to go. Yeah. I lied and said I was seventeen. And when I was seventeen, lied. I went there. Went in there. But I met Jake. Like coincidentally, I worked at Safeway. Mm-hmm. And everyone at work, same thing. Everyone at Safeway, what are you going to do when you're old? I'm going to be a wrestler. Sure, sure. So through 15 through to 17, I'm saying this at my work. And one of the girls there started dating Jake. And she's like, oh, my new boyfriend's a wrestler. And, w- and one of the other boys mentioned you wanted to be a wrestler. Yes. And so we told him all about you. And he said, you can come have a tryout. Yeah. Then I, there I was. And this was at George's? Uh, the first tryout was at Alpha Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Tullamarine Public Hall. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, I, I've, Jake always brings it up. There's been black posts on his Facebook wall. Hey, man, my, I'm Josh, Kayla's friend. I want to be a wrestler. Is it okay if I come down or something like that? <laughs> but all these like posts, I'm super nervous to write. I would have wrote them three times. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what was that like the very first time you, you got into the ring and you, and you were shown um, the ropes, so to speak? Well, I'd been in rings. So when I was 10, so we used to have the local wrestling here in Melton. NAW would come to Melton and do shows. Yeah. And what I figured out was if I hire the indoor soccer center, they have birthday parties. Right, and you go and you play soccer, you play cricket, you play volleyball, you're the mix of the games. Yeah. And what I realized was one one year when, or earlier that year, when someone else had their birthday party there, if you book your birthday party the Saturday of the show, the ring's there. Oh, right? no way! So I was there, and Charlie Marciano is setting up the ring, and I'm at this birthday party, just like. So that year, my birthday is November 25th. Christmas bash is at the Melton Soccer Center, November 30. Mum, can I have a soccer center party? 
bang, ring was there. We all got to have wrestling matches. Mick, the owner, was great. He knew that's why I did it. Yeah, yeah. Mum's got the footage on DVD somewhere. I did the triple. I went to the wall. I went to the toilet. I grabbed, put water in my mouth. Did the Triple H spit. Mum yelled no, at you me. Did it. Yeah. <laughs> It's chaos, man. And that's the same ring I debuted in, had all my first matches in. <laughs> Talking about the tri- the Triple H spit, yeah. me and my brother in the height of the Attitude Era, like 17, 18 years old, <laughs> yeah. we got one of those home gyms. Yeah. And it was like- Like the all-in-one gimmick. The, yes, yeah. all-in-one gimmick. So you had like a chest press and, yep. you know, and, uh, and all that kind of thing. And so it was at my mum and dad's place up in research and- um, uh, we, we would, me and my brother would do like a full workout mm-hmm. and, and we'd be listening to like WWF Attitude Volume th- 3 or 4. Because you had to buy the CDs, <laughs> yeah. Yep. the CDs, yeah. And so it had like, um, you know, Triple H's The Game on it. Yep. And we would do a workout and like, just like with your Mount Franklin bottle you got there, we would full like chug the water and mm, then dude. walk into the pool area because my folks house is a little bit insane. They had an indoor pool. <laughs> yeah. But As- you can spit on the on the tiles there and it's going to exactly. be fine. Yeah. yeah. So we're walking into the pool area and like, psh, do you know, the spit. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. We would just have so much fun doing it's that. It's unreal. That is uh, that. That entrance is like times to a T. And I remember we did a St. Kilda show for MCW and Mikey's like, just do it. So we put the Triple H music on. I did the whole entrance and I got it like time, did the speak well. Yeah. And everyone's like, how? I'm like, I've been doing that entrance like every month for my entire life. How could I not do that entrance right? You know what I mean? And it's not easy. Like I tried There's the a trick day. to it. There's a 100% trick yeah, to it. You yeah, you have to kind of keep a little bit of water in the front of your mouth not too to much and get a mist happening. Yeah, and it's like a blow not a spit yeah man. yeah otherwise it just goes everywhere yep. and the second spit too he's like oh, that second spit yeah yeah i'm like how has he done it twice yeah. he's a magician but um yeah so at my tent so i'd been in rings and i remember when i was 12 they had a local show and the second intermission started i jumped in the ring jumped on the top rope and i'm like yeah security guys like get out get out i'm like nah and i waited for them to get in the ring to get me out yeah, yeah. like avid and um so yeah so i go to alpha's school so jake through Facebook and mutual friends like, yeah, we, can, we have a show, we have a try. And how bad is this, right? I'm 17, so like parties and girls and stuff is a thing now. So sure. I've sort of, and plus, what year was it? 17, oh, I can't even, 2010. I stopped watching wrestling 08. In my opinion, that's when wrestling started to go down. Yeah, right. 08 through to 12, until the Daniel, until the punk thing happened. Yes. That oh, 2008 through to the punk thing is like a dead era. Yeah. It's in person, like the worst era of wrestling in recent times. Sure, yeah. So I stopped watching altogether. Coincidentally, it's when I'm becoming a teenager and girls become a thing. So my mum drove me to the Tullamarine Public Hall, meet Jake there. My mum sat in the chairs, set up. The show's, everything's set up. Mm. They do this try and I was stressing for weeks. I messaged Jake like, hey, do you think of it? He's like, dude, you play footy, you'll be fine. Yeah. At this moment, I'm like running. I was like 40th in the state for cross country. You know, I'm like playing state basketball, state netball. I'm fit as a tat. Yeah. And we get there and I had to run up and down, not long ways, short ways, the, the public hall, up and down once, do 10 squats, up and down, 10 push-ups, up and down, 10 sit-ups. And I'm just like, all right, what's next? And they're just like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, what, what do they expect? I got in the ring. They're like, all right, rolls, did all the rolls, yeah. learn how to bump. This is all my first, like, within like half an hour. Yeah. So I ran up and down, did the rolls, did the bumps. So like, all right, cool. And then Mike Manson was like, if you passed, Jake will message you in two weeks time and he'll tell you where the gym is and when to meet him there. I'm like, okay. And how bad is this? I didn't even stick around for the show. I made mum take me home because I had a party to go to. <laughs> uh, sign of things to come. But um, So you reckon they thought, because they probably would have people try out and not even be able to have any cardio at this all. This is the thing, and I say this all the time. And I said it today to a bloke at work. People sit on their couch and they watch wrestling and they go, that's cool. I reckon I could do that. Yeah. And they have never done anything athletic in their in their life. Sure. 
and it is one of the hardest things physically to do ever. Yeah. And they get in there and they've got two left feet. They're unfit. They can't run the ropes more than two runs and they expect to be able to take a body slam. Yeah. And I, that blows my mind. It's but wild, I was, isn't it? I was, like I said, how fit I was for a 17-year-old. Yeah. And I was stressing about being fit. Because you see, you see Triple H, you see The Rock, you see how fit these guys they're are. They're huge and they're and super like, fit. Yeah. And this is, especially these days, people are like, oh, well, well, Kevin Owens. I'm like, she's one in a million and look how fit he is. But they yeah. just look at the physique and I'm like, no, like, as a, even as a 17-year-old, I was like, you have to be fit to do this. And obviously, like, and even still, like, nowadays, people come into training they don't learn to roll and bump, I think, for like weeks. Mm. I rolled, bumped within half an hour and picked it all up straight away. Well, that's the too. thing. Because like, I, um, I recently, about three months ago, went to George's um, mm-hmm. for a, a training session. Yep. Now I'm First ever? First ever. Yeah. So I'm 39, yeah? Yeah. Um, I'm not athletic at all. I've been going to the gym consistently for almost two years. Yep. Because I was getting in my late 30s. I'm like, I should really do something Start with look myself. myself. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I was like, they put me in the class, like the Monday night beginner class, mm-hmm. but everyone else in the class had been going for weeks. Yep. So if you, not months. Yeah. Right? So they're like, oh, well, we better not make it all like dicky for everyone else will just do the normal class I think and so I was just put through the paces three hours of yeah. bumping how'd you my, go my I didn't realise I should have wore elbow uh, pads yeah because yeah. my elbows were cut up like you wouldn't believe permanent yeah and so you, that's just grazers now I've got like chip bone in both my elbows I've got a bone kind of it's coming out it's pushing out now yeah do you and, wear elbow pads in the ring? Uh, I do now because yeah. I've smashed them so many times. Yeah. And I've got like nerve damage. So if I'm sitting on a computer desk with a chair with an arm and I hit it, mm. it sends like a nice electric shock down my arm and it goes numb for a bit. Lovely. Yeah. But it's just there's heaps of loose bone in there. And that's every wrestler has that. Every wrestler has chip bone in their elbow. Okay, right. Yeah. So the, the main reason I did it was because I have been a almost a lifelong wrestling fan. I just want to have an appreciation for what these dudes and dudettes go through. Or at least see what it's like, you know what I mean? Exactly. That's cool that you did that, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I I want to do it again, but I would need to up my leg game fucking massively. Were you sore? I couldn't walk. Yeah. I did it the second week of the school holidays. If I'd have done it during work- Oh, you'd be screwed the next day. I wouldn't have been able to walk to my classes. (laughs) Um, It's funny you say that. So it's got a couple of stories here. We did one. I remember what George's once. And it was a very hard session because I went down. I was like, all right, I'm doing sessions purely for cardio. It's wrestling cardio. Let's go. Yeah. And we were, it was something. And this wasn't, again, it wasn't that hard, but someone couldn't do it. And like they fell just mid running the ropes, dropped and fell through the ropes and out the ring. And I'm like, how does that happen? I've never ran to the point where my legs collapsed. Right. Even on like cross countries and stuff. But yeah, it happens. That was it at the WWE triad. Obviously, like there's 10 of us that are actual wrestlers, maybe. Mm. There's like 30 that have never been even seen a ring before which blew my mind. And they're in there and we're doing all the rolls and they're like, oh, it hurts your elbows, it hurts your knees. And I'm like, wait till we run the ropes and wait till we bump. They ran, and then the first drill they did was not running the ropes, but where you stand in the middle and four people run to their right, hit the ropes at the same time. Yes. I felt bad because a lot of, there was like some real petite girls and there was like guys that are like seven foot, like 350 pounds and they're, because when, when you hit the rope one way, it goes tighter the other way. And these poor little girls were smashed, getting smashed by these ropes. Yeah, right. And the WWE rings have real ropes and they're super tight, tightest ropes ever. Yeah. So, like, these people are getting smashed. They're getting smashed by the ropes. And even in general, if you never... Did you have cuts on your back from the ropes? 
No. Okay, because Georgia has the worst ropes ever. They're not even ropes. They're just we didn't hanging. really do we didn't really do uh, running. You of the can't. Ropes. Yeah. Yeah. They're just hanging. But they're in. We were these. So they had that. They learned to bump. And by like the second day, they're like, "This is so painful." I'm like, "Welcome to the business, brother." Yeah. Right. But that's yeah. People don't realize like even these people were fitness like they were bodybuilders. They were fitness models. They were NFL players. And they were like, although they smashed it in the gym, when mm-hmm. we got into the ring, they were like, "Wow, this is so hard." So yeah, not, it's man. not just people sitting on their couch that say that. Yeah, I've seen top professional athletes say the same thing to me yeah right yeah. that's that's Which was cool it made you feel better i was like wow like yeah i've actually like done like not just earned something but like i've actually put in the work because you do you go to those tryouts like have i done enough work have i put in like but you think eight years of wrestling and i was like training for four months for that tryout so you get there and you're like sweet yeah but you don't know because you got nfl player you got fitness model you got bodybuilder you have cirque du soleil you have titan games all these people that have done these amazing like proper sport like top level stuff and yeah. here I am some schmuck indie wrestler and I'm like oh shit you know what I mean and that you do that's how you feel you're like wow these people are like big names they've all got you know they're all like professional athletes and here yeah. I am I'm broke as shit and I spend all my money to be here and but then you get in the ring and it's like ah and then I cut and then we did promos I cut a promo and everyone's like how did you do that like where did that come from I'm like I've been cutting promos my whole life what do you yeah, exactly. But, yeah, that's what made it. That's like, oh, I'm a wrestler. It makes you feel more like a wrestler. At that well, point. yeah, let's talk a little bit more about you. Um, uh, well, before we hit USA, I would mm-hmm. like to kind of talk about your ind- independent um, uh, wrestling here in Australia. We we did talk about um, how you kind of got into the business, mm-hmm. but what was those early days like? Yeah, so it was like eight years between starting. Because how old are you now, bro? 25. Oh, you're 26 25. next month. Okay, you're 26. Yeah. Um, and so you were wrestling, yeah, for seven, eight years mm-hmm. um, in Australia. And Yeah, I went to America in 2016 for a month. Yeah. Trained at OVW, did their TV, trained at Chikara. And that's where I first worked for WrestlePro, which is where I ended up going the next time. Yes. But um, so, yeah, I'd, until, what was it, 2019 this year? Yeah. Other than that one month in the States, it was purely wrestling in Australia. Sure. But like I had a theory and I'd seen other people. You've got to, there's people say learn from others' mistakes, but I don't think they actually do it sometimes. Like you got to watch what people do and see, did that work for them or did it not? You know, and I watched yeah. people go overseas who, ha- who weren't even successful here yet and then go overseas, spend all their money and fail. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, if you, ha- if you can't conquer here, why go over there? Sure. And not that I conquered here, but- in 2016 was just like a training trip. I wasn't expecting to wrestle. I got more out of it than I did. No, I expected. But yeah, yeah, I'd wrestled in every state in the country. I'd won hundreds of belts. You know, I'd main evented shows, whatever. Yeah, wrestled for top companies. So it's like I know I say whatever, like it's nothing. But when you're trying to chase the top, you know, I I've done. Every, I did everything I could here. I'd sort of hit a glass ceiling. I was like, yeah, there's not much more I can do here. I'm not going to earn it. I can earn as much money as I can. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I was like, all right. And then- Now it's time. Yeah. I had that. We did a House of Hardcore show in Melbourne. We had a training seminar, Bully Ray, earlier. And he chewed me out. Not- I say he chewed me out. He didn't. It was this just like a year and a half ago? Yeah. Yeah. I was at that show. So, I ended up main eventing the show. Yeah. But during the day, we did a training seminar. And yes. Bubba, it literally, it wasn't like we get in, all right, we're going to do roles, we're going to do this. Bubba looks, got in the ring, said, hey guys, introduce some Bubba, whatever. I'm Bully. This is my seminar. This is your seminar. What do you guys want to learn? And it was just question time. We did we did ring ring stuff. We made a lot of speaking. We did we depending on how he's like a jaw seminar. Tell me what you guys want to know about. Sure, yeah. There's no point me coming in with a preconceived that we're going to do this because it yeah. makes no sense. And we got maybe halfway through, and he goes, "You, you haven't asked any questions. Why not?" And I'm like, at this point, talking I'm, to you. Yeah, at this point, I'm riding high. I'm 
at the point I'm thinking, you know, MCW just had its biggest show of the year and I was one of its main guys and I was like, I'm like, well, I don't know if Australian wrestling's going to take off because PWA had just hit big. Not hit big, but just started hitting its straps. MCW was hitting its straps and yeah. I was in there. Yeah. And then, you know, Wrestle Rampage and RCW doing good, EPW doing good. And I was like, wow, there's all these. And I said to him, I'm, I'm not sure if Australian wrestling's about to take off like England just did mm-hmm. or I should go overseas. I said, because I don't want England, Australia to take off and for me to miss out when I've put in all the work here. Yeah. I said, so... I said, oh, he goes, and then, or I don't know if I should go overseas and give it a crack and start all over again. And he goes, how old are you? I go, Tom, 24. He goes, all right, what are you for a job? I said, graphic design. He goes, cool. Do you want to be a 30-year-old graphic designer who said, oh, man, if Australia just took off, or do you want to be a 30-year-old graphic designer who said, yep, I gave it everything? Yeah. He goes, because if you go off over and Australia takes off, you can always come back. Yeah. And he then he started really getting into it. He goes, I don't know any wrestlers in Australia. I don't know any promotions. I haven't heard of any of them. And this sort of put in things in perspective for me. Because at the time, we're like, we're having people tweet about us. We're having international wrestlers, like stars, like want to come to our shows. Yeah. We just had New Japan come over. WWE was coming over. Yeah. And we had like international wrestlers wanting to wrestle for us. Mm. And so over here, we're in a bubble. We think that this is taking off. And to an extent, it was. It was the best and still is the best Australian wrestling's been in years. Sure, yeah. And I'm sitting there going, well, I don't want to miss out mm. on that. I want to be at the forefront. But then he's like, I don't know any Australian wrestlers. I don't know any promotions. This is the first time I ever heard of wrestling in Australia other than when I was here in 2005, which was International Assault. It was a one-off tour. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, from what I hear, you're a good wrestler. I'm looking at you now. You have a good look. You're young. You're good looking. Why the fuck aren't you trying? Why aren't you doing it? What the fuck are you waiting for? Yes. And I was just like, you're right. He goes, I've got a school. You can come. Dreamer's got a school. You can go there. He yeah. goes, if not, you can go somewhere else. Yeah. He goes, but fuck. He goes, there's a hotbed of wrestling in the United States and there's companies signing everyone and you're sitting here hidden away where no one can see you. Why the fuck are you waiting? Yeah, I went right. home that night and booked flights. There you go. Yep. Well, he was- he I haven't was seen him since. I want to thank him, that. but I haven't, I haven't seen him since. Yeah. But um, yeah, I went home and booked flights that night. But like, it's funny because you have that moment and you feel so small. And then later on that night, your main event, House of Hardcore, the biggest, well, it's like 1,000 people, one of the biggest shows I've ever done. Yeah. And you're like, this is unreal. That was a really good night, man. It was awesome. But, I had um, um, ringside seats. Oh, sweet. So you would have seen it all, you know? Yeah, man. But um, yeah, that was the moment. That was 100%. I was like, all right, I got to go. So I um, didn't quit my job, but I got made redundant, coincidentally. Sure. And um, so I started freelancing because I was like, because uh, my work, I'm going back to work for re- in, in two weeks. They're like, do you want your job back? Huh. Give you more money, more this. I was like, no, because I'm going to go overseas. Yeah, like, what do you mean? Yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to go. For, I need. I can't be locked into a full time job because sure. I need to take three months off to travel, and I don't expect you to give me three months off. No. So I went and booked that. I messaged Kevin Matthews, KM, because when I wrestled in the states the first time, that was the fa- that promotion was the one I wrestled for, and I thought this is the place to be. Which one? Wrestle Pro. Wrestle Pro. Yeah. They had internet like backstage. You had Nova just hanging out, get critiquing your matches. You had Pat Buck and KM who run it, mm-hmm. who were both developmental guys who both had great minds for the business and yeah. ran it really well. They had a massive crop of guys. They have two wrestling schools, um, and like they just had people. Like there was always like this show had like Kevin Thorne, Road Warrior, Animal. You might think, oh, what does that matter? But the fact that every show had people you could pick their brains. Yes. You know, like Dan Marth is like an independent legend and he is on every one of their shows and one of like their, he's on like, he's like one of their father figures. Like he's always at training. And I was yeah. like, over here, we have no one like that to no. pick. Exactly. Which is. Which that always blows my mind. Whenever I listen to wrestling podcasts or anything to do with the business like that and you hear that, oh yeah, Seth Rollins has a school. What? Yeah. The dude's a universal champion. 
And he goes back home to, what, Idaho or wherever he's from. Yep. And people, kids can wrestle with him and train with him and pick his brain. It's like, what? And we're, <laughs> we're stuck here trying to learn off each other or have me go do a tour and come back and try and teach people. Yeah. Or have people who have never been overseas and haven't wrestled in 10 years try and tell you, oh, this is how they do it over there when they don't know. Yeah. And it's like, how does that... Like and uh, that's when I realised I was like I needed one. You have to go. I need there. to get there. Yeah. So I messaged Kevin Matthews. I was like, Hey, I'm gonna come over. Is it okay if I train with you guys? You know, you're my favorite promotion to work for. He's like, Yeah, because I sort of kept in touch with him briefly. Yeah. He's the coolest guy ever. He's like, he saved my life. I always say he saved my life. Yeah. But he's like, Yeah. He's like, Yeah, man, you can come over, whatever. I was like, I'm here for three months. I know it's a long time, but if anyone has a place to stay, I'd rather rent off them than pay a hotel or Airbnb. Sure. He's like, oh, I'll ask around, you know. Yeah. And then when I got there, so I had, so no one obviously could because three months is a long time. Now, you've told this story on your podcast. Yeah. And this Jeremy, is- I can keep it short. Keep it short. But no, I remember listening to that episode um, and the story went, kept going. I'm like, oh my God, where where is this story going? Like, <laughs> you thought I was going to so die? Many- <laughs> I thought you were going to die. I did too. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some scary moments Look, in my life, but that tops them. That yeah. moment when they you tell, I'm not sure, I can't remember who you told, but you- Jay you, Lethal. You told Jay Lethal. My fellow Elizabethan, yeah. Yeah, where you were staying. Yeah. And he he's was like, like, what? <laughs> and he's Jay Lethal, but he's like, what are you doing? Uh, yes. Yeah. You're like, I don't know, I'm from Australia, I'm, I'm from like, Melbourne. Yeah, like, and that's the thing, like, Cam's like, yeah, he felt horrible. He's like, dude, he's like, I know you asked. He goes, but I sort of like read it flippantly. And I said, I know, look, guys from, and this is the thing I tell people, like wrestlers in Australia now. Yeah, yeah. You can't necessarily, you, not that you can't, but it's so hard to just message promotions like, hey, I'm coming over. Can you book me? Or hey, I'm coming over. Can I do this? Because mm. they get it all the time and people don't end up coming. Right. So not until I was there. The second I was there, it was, oh, you're here. Awesome. Let's train. Wow, you're actually not too bad. All sure. right, I'll drop you off home. And one of the blokes, Buster Jackson, ended up being a real good friend. He dropped me home and he's like, where the fuck are you staying? I'm like, I got an Airbnb. It was the cheapest one I could find near the wrestling school near Railway, New Jersey. Yeah. And even when I got off the plane at 9.30, it's 9.30 at night and I get off, I ran to the door with my bags, got the lockbox at the key, went straight. It's dirty. The house is not messy, but just like ran down. The yeah. streets have shit all over them, like litter. And during the days, there's gangs everywhere. Yeah. And I've got dreadlocks, wearing an NWO jacket. And I'm like, fuck, what have I done? Yeah. Um, they're staring me down. This is great. At the basketball courts across the road. And he dropped me off home. He's like, where are you staying? He's like, dude, this is the ghetto. You're going to die. <gasps> He's like, seriously, you, you're going to die. <gasps> I was like, all right. I'll have a look at it. Then the next two nights later, I go to training and then Kevin Matthews KM drops me off. He's like, dude, Buster's right. Like, you're not going to survive living here. And we, he's like, he, and he's like, look, and he starts looking it up on his phone. He's like, you're in the bottom 8% of safe for safety in crimes in America. You have a one in 23 chance of getting violently attacked, which means shot or stabbed every day. And he goes, and you're a white Australian with dreadlocks. And then as he dropped me off, he goes, I'm going to find you a place. You go inside. And as I'm getting my bag and getting out of his car to the door, he's chanting, please don't die. Please don't die. And I'm in my head. I'm like, shut up. I don't want to draw attention to the fact that there's a human here. Let me go. Um, And we almost had one of the blokes that put me up. He's like, look, I don't care. Pay me X amount. You can sleep on my couch the whole time. Yeah. And he was awesome. We became great friends. He's looked after me heaps like a brother. As I say, wow. he saved, me, saved my life. Saved then we started life. working out together, going like shows that he, I was on. He'd come and watch, you know. Yeah, sure, sure. And we just watched wrestling together, and it just and listening to him 
ring people in the business because he books WrestlePro. Yeah. And he was like agent, like he was an agent for a few other wrestlers mm. and just listening to the way he would speak the business. And then me, I'd ask questions about that was living with him was an experience in itself. Yeah. You know, yeah, just, and yeah. that's the thing, just spending time with people that have been places and people that have been around the business at the top level and the way it's conducted, you mm. know, like Kenny Omega is one of his best friends. Yeah. Right. You know, so we'd watch, we watched the first AEW uh, pay-per-view, not the first one, one of the pay-per-views, we watched it the next day. Sure. And as we're watching, he texts Kenny. He's like, what the fuck's up with this? And then he's like, oh, well, because of this. And then as we're watching it, we're getting running commentary from Kenny. <laughs> over, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, it's just like yeah. having people with- Having the, the wrestling minds around you. Yeah. And I'm just flying the wall, mate. This is unreal. And all of this is- You've got um, Bully Ray to thank for, man. Because, well, yeah. Him I mean, and- you were going to go over anyway, but- he I was think, really yeah. I had the idea in my head. And, I was like, yeah. I really should. You're right. And then I, really, I was yeah. like, I should- and then he was like, wake the fuck up, dude. Yeah. And yeah. so how did you sort the um the the tryout with the WWE? Okay, so I've had I had a tryout in twenty So the first time I went to America, which was twenty sixteen for that four week that month. Yeah. Um Muhammad Ali Baez, I have him to thank a lot. He's helped me so much in my career. Because, again, a guy who was in WWE and TNA Developmental, wrestled on all these big shows, been around big names his whole his whole career. Sure. Has all this knowledge that Australian wrestlers, like, snub their nose up at. Mm. Like, what does he know? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, oh. So, he is... I, I say he's like, he trained me. He's never... I think we've had, like, three training sessions together. But because he has taught me so much, just from booking me, giving me challenges, telling me, do this, do that. Yeah. And the first time I went... Because the WWE hadn't had a try for two years, and when they did, I wasn't nowhere near ready. So I just messaged, emailed WWE. Like, hey, I'm from Australia. I'm flying myself out. If there's a chance to get looked at, it'd be really cool. They're like, yep. And I sent them all my stuff, you know, my, my my resume, my matches and stuff. Yeah. And then they got straight back to me. The office was like, yep. We'll, cut, we'll take a look at you. Come to Raw in Atlanta. And Ali had a good point. He goes, list every show they have and say you're available for all of them. And when they say these ones, you fly yourself. They're like, cool. So he's like, yep, come to Aurora in Atlanta, come to SmackDown in Nashville on this Monday and Tuesday. Okay. Sweet, went and booked flights, cost me an extra three and a half grand that I didn't have. And um, so you get to Raw and I'm back. Hey, here I am, like, as this is before the Bully Ray stuff, and then I'm just, you know, wrestling in Australia. Like, oh, I need some more training. Here I am backstage at Raw. And I'm like, oh, oh this is 2016. Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, this is the first Raw when they did the brand split. And I'm like, out of my element. And people looked out for me. People like Finn Balor who remembered me. Um, Jason Jordan, remember Alexa Bliss, those people that I'd met like flippantly like three or four times, but yeah. I met them like a couple of weeks prior to NXT after party. Huh. They just coincidentally like remembered me and they were great to me. Like, cause you're so, and I messaged Peyton Royce. I was like, what do I do? I'm so scared. She's like, you're going to feel like you're in the way and you won't be, but that's just how it feels. Just stay out of the way, be polite, be respectful. So you're there backstage in your suit, but everyone knows you're there for extra work. Yeah. And, um, so they're like, oh, it was the first Raw from the draft. So they're bringing guys up from NXT. They're doing walkthroughs and stuff. No time. They're like, sorry, guys, we don't have time. We'll have a look at you tomorrow. Next. So we, I go to hotel, sleep, fly to, fly to Nashville, check in at my hotel, go to the gym, go to SmackDown. So at this point, you're used to it. You're like, oh, no. So you go backstage, SmackDown, go yeah. to the whatever. Oh, yeah, put your gear on, go to the ring. We'll see you there. So you put your gear on, go to the ring. All right, you guys plan three or whatever. There was, three, there was three matches. Yeah, plan a five-minute match each. Cool. Plan our match. We're getting ready. Rhino comes over. What a legend. He comes over. He's like, oh, you guys are trying matches? He's like, yeah. He goes, just give you some advice. He tried to calm us down. Like, what a legend. Out of like- just, You didn't have to do that. He just seen us like going over spots and he came over to help us, which is awesome. Yeah. Exactly. And um, and then they come over the office like, all right, cut your matches down to three minutes. The second they said that, I'm like, I know where this is going. They're like, all right, who's up next? I jumped the barricade, put one step on the steps. They're like, wait, 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 wait. 
they had to walk through something again for fucking camera angles. And then they're like, yeah, sorry, we don't have time. I'm like, sweet, three and a half grand on top of the four grand already paid to be here, my whole life savings. And um, not getting looked at. Cheers. Didn't even get to go in the ring. Nothing. And, and was, um, this is the time of the performance center, though. They had that back yeah, then. Yeah, but didn't they, they were still, it was like a weird time. They were still doing, and they still do. Like, you go for extra work, sometimes I'll have a look at people. Huh. You know, and I think because of what, like, I was flying myself out and stuff, they promised to look. So John Cone's in charge of the extras. I went back. All right, whatever, got changed back in what, my What, the stuff. referee? Yeah, he's in charge of the extras. Well, he was. I don't know if he still is. Yeah. Actually, yeah, he is. Well, since I, last, since I last did it, he was. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, I'm just, like, I didn't get it looked at. I flew myself not only to America, but to Atlanta and to Nashville and bought hotels. I said, I spent like X amount of money. Yeah. I said, I'm not saying you owe me anything because the business owes no one nothing. I said, but is there any other way I can get looked at? Yeah. And he's like, oh. he goes, he goes, I get it. He goes, I, I guess I know what you mean. He goes, well, let me talk to the office and let me see. Sure, like, sure. Sweet. So that was it. And then that was it. I was like, hang, just hang out at catering, you know? And then um, <laughs> I go, a week later, I emailed the office again. I was like, hey, this is what happened. I spoke to John Cone about it. And they were like, yep. We'll let you know if something comes up. Just keep you keep working. I'm like, okay, fuck. So that's it. And I was like, oh, in the end, I was like, oh, cool. I got to hang out backstage at WWE, see how it all works. Yeah. At least they yeah. know who I am. Yeah, right. Because you know, Triple, right. Triple H made a, made, a, made a point of coming over and saying, hey, because you knew who we were. Huh. And I'm like, all right, at least Triple H knows who I am. That helps. Sure. Um, get back to Australia. And at this point, it's, I mean, August 1st and 2nd were those dates. Yeah. And in September, they announced, oh, November. Um, November NXT show in Melbourne. And the second I seen that was announced, I was like, hey, office, JXT here. Um, remember you guys said you would take a look at me. I see you have a show coming up in Melbourne. And they're like, yep, there's going to be a tryout and you'll be on it. We'll keep you posted. Right on. And that's when the first one happened. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where they signed Rhea Ripley. Huh. And ten, you could say others because they, that, was, that was the last tryout they did. But she directly got signed from that. But yeah, they okay. had like had like Jonah Rock, Elliot Sexton, um, Dakota Kai was there, invited as a guest. Um, Indy Hartwell was on it. Obviously, heaps of other people. Those people have all been signed since. Right. But um. But yes, yeah, so I did that tryout. But that yeah, was just, yeah. that was just like a day tryout, and it was only like I say six hours. Okay. You have to have matches and stuff, but it's all Aussies, all everyone you know. Yeah. Um, nothing like the performance center tryout. No. No. Other than you did the same roles and you had match. The stuff you do in the performance is a completely different world. But that so was the you, first try I had 2016. And I was like 22. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so then, um, yeah, you, you kept wrestling here in Australia for a few more years. Mm-hmm. Obviously, House of Hardcore happens in, what, the beginning of 2018? Yeah. And you go over there. When did, when did Super Showdown happen? October in 2018. All right. I did extra work then. And this is where I get mad heat from other wrestling promotions. Um, so uh, that happens. I get an email from John Cone. Hey, Super Showdown, big live network special. We need extras. We want you, of course. Um, we need X amount of guys. Can you can you send us guys with normal haircuts and send them their photos? So I put people forward. Cool. And then it was perceived by the Australian community that I was like WWE's talent scout, which is not true. Your guy was just like, hey, we need bodies. You know what I mean? For what spot? Just they just need extras. Period. Like there was a point where they were going to need all these security guards. Um, in the end, Marcus McCool and Nick Berry were para- paramedics. You watch Charlotte Flair. Nick Berry carries her out. Oh, yeah, right. right. And it was so we, we they, I was down at the ring, and they were going to do a spot where Roman runs up the stairs that are positioned on the side of the ring. 
He was going to run up the stairs, spear Braun Strowman through a barricade. Sure. And I was going to be the mock security guard sitting facing the other way. And when he goes through the barricade, I was going to jump and take a big roll dive. Like a bump. <laughs> so it looks more authentic, you know? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, Michael Hayes is like, well, do we need to walk through the spot? And Roman's like, no. Nah, brother knows how to do this spot. I'm happy to give him the payday because you make extra money if you get touched. Yes. So I'm happy to give him payday. He's a good bloke. Oh, good brother. Is that what Roman said to Yeah, you? he's like, he's a good brother. I'm happy to give him the payday. He, you know how to take the bump, don't you? I'm like, yeah, of course. He's like, he knows how to take the bump. We don't have to walk through it. And Michael Hayes is like, oh, I don't know. Let's not do it. I'm like, all right. He's like, sorry, man. That's not your fault. Oh, shit off. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like, that's just one spot. Like, it's, like, it's such an insignificant thing in the grand scheme of things. It would have been cool to wrestle, like, be a part of the show at the MCG. Yeah, Technically, yeah, yeah. I was. I sat backstage and ate meat pies, but... <laughs> Um, but it's even wow. cool like you hang out in Gorilla like you try and yeah but so I had contact with them then yeah obviously even even when they said extra work I was like hey is there a chance for a tryout blah 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 sure yeah and yeah. they were like nah there's no tryouts this show it's such a big show There's so it was like a mini Wrestlemania it really was yeah so they're like nah there's no time for tryouts or anything and so then finally I was hoping that, they were going to do an access at that but they didn't they didn't so then they uh, kind of teased it a little bit yeah they the did right yeah like oh, I can fucking meet everyone there was that much uh-huh. yeah but um and then, yeah, when I booked my flight for the States, just let them know. Hey, guys, just letting you know, I'm coming over for another three months. I'll be there. Yes. And they're like, sweet. We've got to try it. We want to take a look at you anyway. We've wanted to take a look at you for a couple of years now. Come down. Cheers. Nice. And that's when you got to do the full, full like, three-day banger. Center banger. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Hardest thing physically, mentally, emotionally ever in my life. Really? Hardest thing ever. Even though you were physically prepared yeah. for it? It's just like... Like I said, you got professional athletes in there. They're fitter than me. They struggle. Like everyone struggled. It was hard. You sure? You know, a guy pulled out within five minutes. <laughs> five you know, minutes? Yeah, I think only th- I think three people pulled out for the first day, five by the second day. And like some people just got hurt. One rolled their ankle. Uh, one, hurt, one put their shoulder out. Yeah. You know, but they, they didn't know how to wrestle. They've never, they've never done rolls before. So when you're doing rolls in excess, like roll, 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 you go this way, that way. Yeah. And like I've been doing this my whole life and it's hard. Sure, yeah, of sure. course, gonna yeah, that's inevitable. But um, because I watched that like I think it was a network show, Breaking Ground, Breaking Ground. So I watched that like three times leading into my tryout. <laughs> okay, okay, right. And, and every that. other tryout that's on YouTube or Facebook Live or yeah, watched everything I could. See, see what they do right, see what they do wrong, or even just what drills they do. Yeah, just so you can that do bloody those drills. that bag drill they do where they jump over it. Yes. So I went to my local gym. They have a boxing ring. I put that thing down, that yeah. mat, boxing bag down. I tighten the ropes on the boxing ring, and I time myself on that drill every single morning yep because yeah. and when you got there they made you do it yep and I didn't yeah. win it I was leading so they time, So they had they do it different every time but the way they did it was like three rings in a row yeah and they time each ring and there was a leader for each ring so it's easy to win the first ring as opposed to the last ring okay but like I was leading to it like I went like mid-range I was leading two of the rings at one point I'm like that's good enough for me I have professional athletes here who get paid to work out you yes. know I have to sit at a desk all day and I'm doing alright so, and yeah, yeah I couldn't breathe after it no. I pulled out of the ring. I was on all fours. I couldn't talk. Like, that's how much... That's the hardest I've ever pushed myself in my life. Wow. And even, like, we did the promo. And I'm standing on the stage, down the barrel, in my full gear. You've got Matt Bloom, William Regal, Canyon Seaman, head of VP, all there. All NXT talent watching. All the guys on track watching. And I'm standing there. Started cutting my promo. And I had a pause in my promo. And I'm shaking. Like, I felt myself shaking. Like, that's how much I was shaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was your promo about? Um, they said they said don't give us the wrestling promo and the number one thing which I knew is don't tell them how much I want this, this is what I've wanted my whole life I've worked my ass off this okay so I was just like look I can't remember what I 
if I, if I remember the start of it, I've got it written down somewhere. Sure, sure. I could probably start it. But it was pretty much essentially like, like, this is who I am. Like, I was like, I'm from Melbourne, whatever. You have to establish who you are. Yeah. I was like, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've, you know, I've worked through this and I've worked through that and I've worked through the hardest things in my life, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then I'm like, and people tell me hey, this is what you ever wanted. And I was like, but, and they're like, this is your dream, this is your dream. And I was like, no. And then I cut it right down. I stopped. My dreams don't come true. And, like, and then that's the whole thing is live your dream, right? The email even says live your dream. Yeah, right. And I was like, but goals, goals you work towards, goals you make happen. A promo I cut everywhere now. But yeah, I was like, goals happen if you make them happen. Yeah, I said, you nice. can dream what you want, but if you don't have goals and I start, ended it with like, boom, J-stick, fucking boom. Yeah, yeah. And then I got a standing ovation from the guys doing the tryout because the NXT talent and like the coaches and stuff, they know sell everything. They don't they smile. They give you nothing. They give you nothing. And that's the whole tryout. Whereas everyone, all the, everyone else doing the tryout. The whole tryout for three days, they're yeah. no selling everything. Yeah. They might smile or laugh at something. Robbie Brooks ride was cool. He'd joke with you a bit. Canyon Seaman smiles and jokes with you a bit. What was Regal like? Awesome in the end, but um, same. It's just stoic. Really, you know, he's just—he's just watching. He's quiet. He stays off to the side and he just watches. He watches your footwork. You do all the drills. He doesn't look at your face. He looks at your feet. Huh. That's why I tell guys that your footwork. But these are things like I had ingrained in my head before I went there. Sure, sure. Because I not only did that, I messaged everyone I know in WWE. I messaged everyone I knew that had a tryout. Anyone who had guest coached there, like Pat Buck, luckily who I was training with, was currently doing like guest coaching at the performance center. So I'm asking him everything. Yes, yes. And um, yeah. And so, did anyone get signed from your group? Um, a guy got signed, but he's had a tryout since. Ed Nuka, I can't say his name. Ed Nuka, Ed Duka, something. He was a bodybuilder, but he that was his third tryout he got signed on. I was on his second tryout. So they've wanted him for a while, but I think they were giving him tasks. Like, you're really good. Go away and do this. Yeah. And coincidentally, right. all the non-wrestlers that were on my tryout, a lot of them are now like wrestling training because we all kept in touch. Sure. It's weird how you bond because at first you're like, nah, I don't want to know nobody. But then you all sort of bond and we all sort of have like a connection. Like I see all the other guys yeah. like each other stuff on Instagram and me too and stuff. And Yeah, that's a sweet thing, man. Yeah, it's, you, have a, you have a weird bond, but yeah. Yeah, wow. But um, no one directly, like I've heard, like I'm pretty sure there will be, mm. but nothing's been, not, and that's been announced that I can be like, yep, they've been signed. That's a cool thing. I think man. a lot of them got told, go away and train and come back like this guy that did get signed. Yeah, told. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so in your time in the ring, um, has there ever been a time where like um, – Something happened unexpectedly. Heaps of times. <laughs> Just because this we know, like, as a smart mark, that like you know, you pre-plan the match. Sometimes, this, you know, for the most part, or you call yep. it in the ring or whatever the fuck. But some shit goes wrong. Yeah, shit happens. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us a, a, like a story um, that kind of comes to mind in that regard? Like even this weekend, like I brought someone in the hard way and they held onto the rope too long and their face smashed the bottom rope. <laughs> But like, and I just laughed. I was, like, I was like, he's like, I need a second. I'm like, sweet, go to the corner. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Shit like that happens all the time and you get used to adapting to it. Um, Did anyone in the audience realize? No, nah, I think they just laughed. Sure. Because it looked like I was like making a fool of him anyway with the move. Okay. And yeah. then he like, yeah. Um, oh, nothing really big comes to mind that like. What about any audience interactions? Um, oh, you have weird ones and stuff. I always like to grab a, drink, a beer off the audience. Often, if I can. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part, part of your shtick. Yeah, I remember like I did a dive off a guardrail. I grabbed a chin beam off someone. I sculled the whole thing and then jumped. Yeah, you know, but I'm um, not nah, nothing. Oh, I have nothing crazy. Man, nothing that's coming to mind. I know like people running in and stuff, but no, nah, it hasn't happened to me really. Um, and what about like you were mentioning um, like how hard wrestling is on your elbows and that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Have you had any injuries in your career yet? Uh, no, kayfabe. I have, but I don't want to say because like. When you get there, 
they ask you these questions. Um, my body's healthy. Right. Everything's good. I don't have any nagging injuries that are constant. I've hurt things previously that are fine now that you wouldn't even know I hurt. Right. So, I'm gonna, yeah. Okay, so the, you're, you're 100%. I'm fine. Like, you know, people, you get, you get rocked in the head, you get rattled, like your elbows, your knees hurt, your neck hurts, your back hurts. Yeah, yeah. You know, but um, my neck got jammed up pretty good one time, but it's fine. I get it worked on regularly. Nice one. But um, yeah. Far out, man. And I always get to work and everyone's like, well, you saw you're young. I'm like, yeah, you don't get body slammed everybody week. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different kind of you thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah, right. But, yeah. but it's all fake, so. <laughs> that's what they say, isn't it? Yeah. Every time. And that's a, but it's funny. The p- same people that will say, oh, it's fake. They'll be like, oh, but do you get sore? I'm like, but you just said it's fake, so I obviously shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes, because I'm a, you know, I'm a teacher at a high school and- um, I let the kids know that I like wrestling and stuff. And and they just tell you what their parents tell you. So if their parents have said that, they probably... Yeah. Yeah, same, yeah. If they, and if they want, they know if they want to push my buttons, they go, you know, wrestling's fake, sir. They go, yeah, nah. So sometimes I'll take the bait. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll it go... It depends what mood you're in, right? Exactly. I'm sometimes I'm like, dude. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, because sometimes like I'm in the mood and I'll mess with someone. Yeah, But other yeah, times yeah. I'm not... And they'll be like, you know what's fake, right? I'm like, sorry, I've had over 500 matches. How many have you had? Sorry, but you're going to tell me how it works? Come on, tell me more. <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, okay. <sighs> Are you going to tell like Michael Jordan how to play basketball? No, shut up. Not that I'm Michael Jordan of wrestling, but like yeah, I've had yeah. more matches than you have. So, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's like the only thing in the world where I think people who are ignorant and don't watch it will tell someone who's done it how it works. Yeah, it's so well, weird. That makes no sense. And and the, the fact that wrestling has become such a massive part of the culture around the world for so long, yeah. like, you know, for, for people to have um, that kind of viewpoint on it. And like you said, a lot of the time it would be stemming from their folks. Yeah. And and their opinion on and it. And it's the same as like all, I think, social issues. They're just passed down. And yeah. They just, they just need to slowly be broken down. It really but does. But wrestling's really minor on that scale. Well, of course. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like, oh... Yeah, all the time. It's like, oh, it's fake. It's like, cool. It's like, oh, oh really? I didn't know it was fake. I've been doing this for eight years. Please tell me how it's fake. Shit, I didn't realize. <laughs> and they're like, oh, what? You didn't even know? And I'm like, nah. Just, yeah, people are stupid. Yeah. If, if It's like, you're an actor. Do you know the movie's not real? Yeah, oh. right. Like, haven't you seen Star Wars? No. Nah. That's not real either, mate. Yeah. But they're telling a story. You reckon he didn't know And you're it was invested his in the story, you know? Yeah. yeah. All that stuff. All the time. Um. Now, before we finish up, I did want to ask you a couple more things. Please. Um, and that is, I would like to touch on your um, your wrestling figure, um, like as, a, as an adult collector now. <laughs> as an adult, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We touched on how they started. I've still got every figure. Um, those three figures I started with, all the four. You've still got all of those? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so now when you, like, are you a ringside guy? Like, do you do orders from ringside? Um, only for like exclusives, because I have to. Right. You know I mean, like... Um, and I wait for like a birthday or something. Like, Mom, I want these three figures. You can only get them from this site. Yeah. I'll buy half, you buy the other half. And, you, and you'll get them shipped yeah. out here. But yeah. even now, like I'm at a point like, like I said, that last USA trip like sent me broke. So like I don't buy figures anymore. I just can't afford it. You Did know? you buy any figures while you were over I there? I bought one and that's because I couldn't get it here. The Macho Man 2000 flashback. Because ah. it wasn't released here and I need that figure for my WCW collection. The Macho Man 2000 flashback? It's like a black single, you know, ooh. What up, March? Oh, yeah. You remember yeah. he's got Gorgeous George? He's wearing black. He's wearing black tights with the stars on him. He's got a black shirt with the big star. He's got these old, the old looking macho head. Okay. Yeah. I brought, Was it an elite? Yeah. I brought, ah. I brought it off Roadkill from ECW. He sells Vendor's figures at shows. 
That's such a weird thing. And he pretend uh, he doesn't pretend to not be roadkill, but he doesn't let on that he's roadkill. <laughs> but I knew he was roadkill. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Far out, man. I knew, yeah. Um, and also the other thing I wanted to ask you, um, when I have musicians on the show, it's a little bit of an easier get because I go, oh, is there any songs or you know anything that you know I could play before the show? Um, or before the interview, so people can kind of get an idea of your music. Mm-hmm. And I kind of flip that around when I when I interview wrestlers, and that is, are there any promos out there online that I could rip oh, that you would be yes. comfortable me sharing with everybody? As in of my promos? As in you cutting a promo. Oh, I thought you meant like promos I love. I was thinking Steiner Math or, <laughs> you know, or like when they got my freaks horizontal, you know. But um, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even... I don't. I like. I'll do a promo and I'll put it up, and I was like, "Oh, that's deep. like it's good enough to put up." Sure, yeah, yeah. And within like two weeks, I'm like, I hate it. And you'll take it down. No, I don't take it down. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I even hate watching myself wrestle. I'll sit in my room on my own and I'll watch and I'll cringe and look away and I'll start sweating. I just really? it's like an embarrassment thing. Yeah, I hate what. And even like at work, the boys were like, when they found out I was a wrestler, they're like, "Oh, show us something." So like, I showed them like me and Facade, the highlights. Awesome. Like, I'm proud of that. Mm. But even watching it with them, I was sweating up a storm and I was like, I can't watch it with you. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's like an embarrassment or self you're insecure. I think you're self-conscious because you put so much into this. Yeah. And even still, I'll never watch a match and go, it's perfect. I'm like this and that and this and that. Oh, well, yeah, of course. And at just watching it, you worry about like what they'll react to and stuff. And when people aren't wrestling fans, they react to stuff so differently. That's why I show my friends so much stuff because they're not wrestling fans. I'm like, yeah. tell me what you like. Tell me what you hate. Okay. You know? But um, I don't know. I just, I can't. I, I watch them. I force myself. I have to. Mm. But I don't know. I just hate it with a passion. So if you said there's any promo, I'm like, no, please don't play any of my promos. Oh, that's all right. Um, well, we won't have to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's how bad I am. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you come out to the ring, you have that. Sandstorm. Yeah, yeah. The greatest dance anthem of all time. Have you ever had any um, like inkling of, of doing like an original song, like, like commissioning someone to write music for yeah, you? Yeah. So my mate. He used to be a DJ, Mitch. Yeah. He um he made that mix for me that I've got. Ah. So it's like a custom mix. It says JXT, the J-Stick in it and stuff. It does. So he made that for me and I sat with him and we did it together. But like he doesn't really DJ anymore and make music. He used to make music himself, but I said to him, I said, I want a, a something that's a bit of sandstorm blended, blended with a bit of this and stuff. But he couldn't be bothered and I, I, I'm too of a, much of a control freak to pay someone yeah. and be, I know what I'm like. So as a graphic designer, I know what it's like to be an annoying client. Oh, yeah, right. And I don't want to put someone through that if I don't have to. Yeah, but yeah, hundred yeah. percent. There's been times where I'm like, I need my own song because often in the states, I was on Impact and like we need royalty free, and I was like, ah, oh. yeah. I'm like, it's a custom mix. It's, it, it'll get. It's enough to get through. They're like, no, it's not. If it's not original. We can't use it. I'm like, cool. So what did you do? I just they gave me whatever they had. Oh, uh, you just came out to whatever on the first day. So on the first day they said that, and then they sent me out to Hollywood Undead, and I'm like. You said I couldn't have music and they're like, oh, nah, but that's because you were on the Twitch stream. If you were on the Impact Network or something, it's different. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then the next day I just gave them my music. I'm like, and I should have, stupid. You're better off asking for forgiveness and asking for permission. Sure, yeah. But I didn't want to put a foot wrong on my first day. Well, of course, yeah. And like Dream is vouching for me, so I didn't want to do wrong by him. Yeah, But um, the second day I was like, fuck, I just gave him my thing on the Impact network thing whatever it was <laughs> but the, you know it's funny the music cut out didn't work so they had technical issues and my match had no music the rest was one of the guys went out and it went real quiet it was like the cord wasn't plugged in properly or something oh my god you know when like it's only you gotta have it at an angle yeah it was like that had happened 
<laughs> so you could barely hear it anyway, so it didn't matter. But um, Oh, far out, man. But yeah. So yeah, I do need like I need one. If yeah. There's any composers that could make something like Sandstorm for me, but I'm, I'm going to be super picky. Yeah, right. Yes. Um, and so with your with your before we we do finish up the mm-hmm. wrestling um, figures that you do own, what I've got a funny story for him if you want. But yeah, please, on. please um, ask me this question, then I'll tell you the story. Okay, cool. Well, all I was going to ask was um, with with your collection, mm-hmm. um, what is like your favorite like figure? Um, I think. Purely on a nostalgia, like when I was 13, I went to Armageddon um, Expo and like Taz is my favorite wrestler of all time, ECW Taz. Yes. And obviously as a 14 year old, I wasn't buying off ringside. So they've got the Taz exclusive classic superstars, right? Yes. This is peak collecting. I go to Armageddon Expo to meet RVD and Sabu and go figure collectibles there. And they've got the Taz up on the wall, 40 bucks. And at the time I'm getting, I think 10 bucks pocket money a week. Sure. That's like four weeks wage. And I'm just looking at it and I'm like, I've never spent more than $20 on a figure, but that I need that figure. And I didn't buy it for the whole day. And I went back and I was like, I have to. And at the time I felt so guilty. I'm like, there's $40 on a wrestling figure. It is a lot of money. But as a 13 year old, you know, yeah. back then, but even now as a kid, I was like, nah. And it's still, like, I love it. That's so sick, I put man. it back in the box. So I was weird. Like I'd open the boxes, slide them out, use the figures and play with them, whatever. Yeah. And then I'd keep all the boxes. I've thrown a lot of them out now. Yeah. But like the classics, I just put them back in and slide it back up. Yeah, yeah. So it's sitting in the bubble, in the package, everything, but it's opened. Yeah, sure. But yeah, that you can do that with the elites these days too. You can now, yeah, yeah. But like that stands out. I keep all my elite boxes still. <laughs> but like, I'd oh, keep like man. random, bloody, random, like ruthless aggression figure boxes and shit that you can't even put back together. Bubble like TNA figures and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why am I and like all under my bed? I'm like, why have I got this? <laughs> but um, yeah, no, nah, the Taz figure stands out to me. That's your favorite, yeah. Because I brought it like peak collecting and like, yeah, yeah. And what was the story you wanted to tell me about your figures? Um, so like, I've been a single man for a long time of my life. Sure. And when I'd come home, I lived out of home for a bit. And when I did, I didn't have any figures set up because I was like, I was only going to be for twelve months. I didn't even bother. I think I left them. No, I brought them all with me, but I didn't set them up. Yeah. Because I was only living in a real small house. But when I moved back home, I set them all up. So I'm living back home now because obviously I'm a broke wrestler trying to make it. So you're living at home with your parents to save the money, right? Yeah, cool. And whenever I would have the the company of a female with me yeah. to my bedroom, I would, before I opened the door, I always turned to them like, now, you know, I love wrestling, right? And they'd give me this look. They're like, well, you're a wrestler. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, just trust me, I really love wrestling. And they're like, okay. And then I open my room and then they turn around and they're like, Every time they're like, yeah, wow, you really love wrestling. Because <laughs> there's like, there's a ring and there's like a crowd thing set up. And then there's yeah. like two details of full of figures and there's figures on top. There's two stages. Yeah, yeah. And they're like figures all over the walls. And they're just like, they must have this. What have I done? Like, who, like what am I here for? What am I here for? Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it pops me. So I don't care. I, I remember. No girl's ever seen it and ran out. So <laughs> no, well, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I remember when I was living with my folks um, as a teenager um, growing up in the in the 90s, the X-Files was like the biggest thing. It was, yeah. You know, um, and Scully was like my dream girl, you know. Yep. And I had like posters all in my bedroom and everything. Mm-hmm. But then she did uh, an FHM shoot. That's it, For Him Magazine. For Him Magazine. Yes, I remember And she's in like all these like racy costumes and stuff. Yep. And so as like a 15, 16 year old, I grabbed that magazine and I ripped it apart and put all the posters <laughs> up, right? Yeah. But not in full view of everyone, in my cupboard door. Oh, so- So you'd open up the cupboard and there'd be all these pictures of Dana Scully. Like, yeah. 
So no one would see him unless they're sitting no. in your room and you're getting you're getting something out. They get something out. And so yeah. whenever I'd bring a girl in there, I'd be like, yeah, um, like it would it would have to be pretty serious. Yeah, they had to to see that. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, okay, now you can see my weird my cover weird door. <laughs> but at least you were how old? You were what, fifteen? Yeah, like 15, I'm twenty six in a month. So yeah, I yeah. always joke with my friends. I'm like, here I am living at home in the bedroom of a twelve year old. <laughs> you know, I've got toys and stuff up everywhere. Well, I'm I'm, I'm sure um, you know you're not alone in that in that regard. No, now, well, well, well. I actually did bring a figure with me. Um, said this. Here we go. To, it scares me. To now, I don't know what's in here. I I did an eBay Facebook purchase. God, I don't know when. What um, is it? Like a blind box? Well, it kind of like a blind box. Do I need yeah. something to open it with? Oh, you brought oh, scissors. Yeah. You're smart. Here we go. I brought some scissors. So so what I'm looking at, people, is a. It's the size of one elite box, I'd say. It's like a brown cardboard box. Yeah, I don't know what's in and there. It looks like, yeah, about that size, if you know what that is. And we, we did this on the pod last week as well. Because Who'd you do I, it with? Um, with a, a singer called Rusty. He plays in a band called The Ugly Kings. Okay. Um, and we, we unbox a couple of retros. Um, right. I think there oh, was a, a John Cena retro <laughs> and a, uh, an Undertaker retro. Um, but today, here we go. What do we have? Oh wow! There's a lot of wrapping right, paper. There's a little bit of. It's a basic by the by the. Um, oh, I think I know what this is. So, do you have like random ones sitting around at home? Yeah, like this, like that. I never opened because. Oh yeah, I got Kane. Sick as. What is it? It's a big red machine, basic oh, series seventy four. Nice. Came with the double arms. That is, if you're going to get a basic, that's the one, isn't it? That is a cool figure. I think I actually have that one with me. Is it the same one? But without the... Not in its box. Is that the yeah, same shit? Yeah, that's the same one. <laughs> that is bizarre. So yeah. now I've got one on the card and, uh, and Lucy Goosey. That's awesome. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll take our um, promo photo take this week. Take our promo week. photo with the cane. With the cane. So this is what you do. You get the people to open, the, open them, open the figures. Well, usually I just... Um, I would just... Because if, if we do the pot at my house, I've got like very similar to your um, setup at home. Yeah. I've got... Three do details full of figures. Yeah. You Not almost called all- them detail Ziggler's too, yeah. I, did. <laughs> I was looking at that <laughs> shirt in today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Lo- I, I've got three details um, uh, filled with figures. Two of them, all no, th- all three are actually filled with wrestling figures. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a couple of other um, uh, uh, display cabinets with like Ghostbusters and Star Wars and stuff. And I'll say to the guests, look, you know, choose a figure, and we'll take a photo of it, you know, yep. for the socials. Yeah, you know. And I've been doing that for about, I think about six months now. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I should really actually talk about the figure at least a little bit. So people know what it is. So people, yeah. So when they're listening to the podcast, they're like, oh, it's the figure yeah. he was talking about. So yeah, t- this this week for the promo of the show. We have a cane. We've got a, a very and cool cane. And it's what, cane. 1998 red cane with two sleeves. Yeah, the double sleeved cane. Yeah, double sleeve. And both sides of his legs have flames as opposed to one flame and one checker. You know, he does that yeah, stitching, that stitching yeah. thing. Yeah. See, graphic design, attention to detail. 100%. I'm a stickler for it. As far as basics go, man. That's this, I mean, this is a grouse figure for It's basic. pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, look at the hair design and stuff. It's very, very cool. Well, he has a head too that like, even if they like, they can't really like dumb it down. If that makes sense. No, like, they, they can't cheap out on that if yeah. it's a basic. Yeah, That's yeah. It. There you go, man. So we've got the figure nerd in. We've, we we've shared some stories from um, JXT's wrestling career and- um, Dude, it's been so great having a chat. No, thanks. It's been great. I, I always like I love doing these, but um, yeah, you never know what you're gonna get coming into one of these. So um, no, it's good. 
Well, I, I I didn't say anything bad. I think I always stress like, what am I going to get heat for? I'm going to get it inevitably. That's just one of the things. <laughs> if you do anything good in wrestling, you get heat. That's my theory. It might just be me, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I didn't say anything too bad, and no, hopefully, no. it's entertaining enough for people. No, hundred percent, man. Uh, and a, a, even if you aren't a wrestling fan listening to this, I think there was a lot of cool stuff that we spoke about that that'd be great takeaways for everybody. So hopefully, because this is my I can't watch myself wrestle thing. This is my anxiety of. Well, I hope you is it entertaining to- enough? Will people like it? Will people hate me for it? Like, what did I do? Yeah, I hope you listen back to the pod. I will. Man. I will listen. I'll listen tomorrow at work. Yeah, right on. While I'm laboring as tradie stick for the oh, last well, two this weeks. This one actually won't drop until Friday, so you'll have to you wait, wait till I then. I can listen to it at work yeah. at my desk. Um, and so if people do want to follow your wrestling career, where can they find JXT online? Please, on all Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at JXT underscore official. That's JXT, the three letters, underscore official. You'll see my big rude head on there. Beautiful. And I'm very active. I always have an Instagram story up. I try and post every week on Instagram. I'm always tweeting and getting myself in trouble. So if you want entertaining stuff, I try and post like things I find funny too. Yeah, nice one. Um, the Facebook's a bit hard. Facebook pages thing is not as um, user-friendly, I find. No, it's not, man. It's yeah. horrible. It's, it's more, I mean, I primarily uh, promote this show on, on um, of Instagram. Instagram is the best social media, hands down. Yeah, it is good. But um, but yeah, everything at JXT underscore official. Just search JXT or the J Stick. I'll come up. And you'll find J Stick and where you're wrestling next. Um, this will drop watch next Friday. Yeah. Our next show is in this Friday, like is in four days from now. Oh, cool. I'll, on Saturday, I'll be in Werribee yep. for Showdown Wrestling. I'll With- be wrestling my trainer, Jake Navarro. Yes. And we've had like a million matches. We can wrestle with our eyes closed. So it's awesome that- It's going to be a good match then. That's what I mean. It's good that we- yeah. I said to him today, I said, how good your body? Because you better get your working boots on. I'm ready to go all out. He's like, oh, my back. He's like, nah. He's like, no, we'll be all right. I'm like, mate, we're going all out. <laughs> um, and then I got a couple of weeks off and then I go to Alaska for WrestlePro Alaska. Oh, so you're going to head back 4, over there. 4,000 seat arena, Sullivan Arena, WrestlePro Alaska. Fantastic. Brett, Brett the Hitman Hart is our headliner. Wow. Yeah, so- um. Yeah, it should be awesome. That's I mean, be cool, and you know what's man. cool? Like, like they've looked after me. That's me. Russell Pro is my home promotion. Like they, yeah, um, yeah. I've got a singles match on a on an arena show. Like how? Like I know we did MSAC here from Melbourne, but like to go to be to be flown to another country and have a singles match on an arena show. That's like a bucket list thing. Yeah, it's amazing too. Yeah, so I'm pumped for that. And then I've got Showdown again in December on the 14th in Werribee. Beautiful. So there's two Showdown shows and Russell Pro Alaska coming up. Beautiful. Well, thanks again, JXT, and we'll see you in the ring very, very soon. Bloody oath. Thanks, mate. See you, dude. Ciao. that's wrap sizzlers episode 80 all done thanks for listening if you did enjoy this episode give the podcast a share on social media use the hashtag art of during podcast on instagram and give us a follow at art of during podcast if you are a first time listener to the show i hope you do come back each and every week and keep on listening i have a new guest uh every time uh the episodes drop every week so uh if you uh would like to come on back every week You are more than welcome. I'd love to have you part of the Art of Touring family. Uh, If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can just email me directly. Directly. Um, I'll take a shot. (laughs) Art of Touring podcast. No, just at artoftouring at gmail.com. And maybe you'd like to come on the show. Maybe you're a touring musician or a performer or a wrestler. Hit me up. 
I'd love to hear from you. Or just slide into the old DMs on Instagram at Art of Touring Podcast. You can listen to The Art of Touring on Wooshka and you can download it on iTunes. Now, if you have enjoyed this episode of the pod, please take a moment to take your smartphone out, smartphone out and leave a short review. Something like, great podcast. Love it. Good job, sis. Doesn't have to be an essay. Actually, it can't be an essay. You're not allowed to do too much on the old uh, um, reviews. But, you know, a little blurb. Great. Love the work. Keep it up. Something like that. Um, now, let's get into some plugs. Saturday, December 14th at the Corner Hotel, I'll be playing Pearl Jam's greatest hits with a super group of musos, including members of the Passouts and Warbirds. Joining us on the night will be Melbourne's own Foo Fighters and Nirvana tribute band, Foovana. Tickets are available right now from the Corner website or just follow the Passouts on Facebook and go to our events page and grab your tickets through the event link on Facebook. That's Saturday, December 14th at the Corner Hotel. We're coming back. We did it in August and uh, they liked what we did. So now instead of doing all of Vitalogy or all of another album, we're just doing the greatest hits, man. All the kits. It's going to be two big sets. Uh... 10 versus Vitalogy. All of those albums are going to have five or six songs dedicated to those three albums. And then the last set is going to be just a a bit of a mishmash, a mixed bag of the great Pearl Jam tracks outside of those albums. So some of them might be, you know, like just well-known live songs that don't really appear on those records because we know the nostalgia button for that uh, you know, era of the band is hitting pretty hard because all those albums have just turned 25 over the last few years. So come on down to Saturday, December 14th to see Old Mate Sis Dog singing some Pearl Jam. That's all from me this week. Before I go, I do have a few shout-outs. Shout-out to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. You can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. Big, 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 big thanks to my guest this week, professional wrestler JXT. You can find JXT all over social media. Just search for JXT on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of The Art of Turing. With us is dog. Oh, wow, wow. And remember, this week's podcast was brought to you this week by Outback Steakhouse Extreme. It's a restaurant in the States. I think Americans might think we all live in the Outback and drink Fosters and have giant steaks every night. I have a lot of steak for dinner, actually. Maybe they're onto something. <laughs>